Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Anybody excited about Christmas? Anybody nervous about Christmas? Come on, you're just like, anybody, anybody, um, you know, some, sometimes this, this holiday can be a stressful time because we got to be around uh, family, which, you know, a long time ago someone said, man, church is just not like a family. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, and they're like, it's, it's really difficult. People are mean sometimes. And, and I said, well, you grew up in a weird family because my family is just like that, you know. And family can be difficult. Family can be a struggle, family, you know. And so here we are going to go either be with our families or some of us maybe we're not going to be with our families. And that kind of bums us out a little bit. But I just pray today that you would leave this place with more courage, more hope, and joy as you enter into this holiday season. Come on, because we know what Christmas is about, right? Come on, Christmas is about presents. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Let's just be real. Christmas is about the right presents. And, uh, you know, how many, how many guys got your presents? Anybody got, got all your gifts? Your, everything's checked off. Okay, good. Like four of you. We hate you. And uh, how many guys are worried? Like you're just like, dear God. Anybody have that family member that they are impossible to buy for? And you're, they have everything and you just don't know. You need like a million dollar budget and you could like do it. But, um, you know, and you're getting weird stuff for them. I, I've just uh, just decided for those family members I'm getting gift cards. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, praise God. You know, thank God for Amazon, right? I mean... I don't know about you, but it's changed my life, because I hate the mall, number one, and I hate it during Christmas. Like, the parking, my wife swears she has parking lot favor. I don't know what that is. I've never seen it in the Bible, but I do, I do admit she does have some kind of parking lot situation happens. She prays for parking. It opens up, and so I, sometimes I've just kind of resulted to just, hey, could you pray for parking, because we live in L.A., and I need it. Um, and so, you know, the mall, all this stuff, and it's about presence, you know, presence, uh, presence under the tree. But, but I'm not talking about presence, like, before you get twisted and get mad at me and uh, all that. Not the kind of presence that are under that tree, but the kind of presence that showed up under that tree. Uh, the kind of presence that changed our life, that changed the situation for us. The presence of Jesus to this earth the king left, leaving his throne and coming down and making his home in a, in a manger so that I would have an exit. He, he entered so that I would have an exit. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm excited that I have an exit because I didn't have one. I, I didn't. I was, I was, the building was on fire and uh, I was in trouble. And Jesus came in and gave this dead man life. I'd been to church. I'd heard about religion. I had tried it, and it didn't work. And Jesus' presence met me, not in church, not even with the pastor, but his presence met me in a dark place, and he wrecked my life in a good way. And that is what we're celebrating this Christmas. Come on. Anybody remember what the, de the meaning of Christmas is? Is the presence of Jesus invading this earth and, you know, we can look at these guys that are standing and think they're crazy. Now, I just went to a Philadelphia Eagles football game, you know, playing the Rams. And, dude, I thought I was going to die, first of all. I mean, just trying to get into the game, 
please wait till the new stadium is built because the old one isn't built right. I mean, just, I'm just telling you, the crowds, I mean, so it was, we were trying to go to the bathroom and there was no way. I don't, even know, I don't even know what was in that bathroom, but it was much worse than even our office bathroom, which is really bad. And, and th there were so many people, this lady just burst out in tears and we had to like put her on her shoulders and carry her over. These people were not just there, they were drunk, they were high, they, were, they, were, they had costumes, they were painted. I mean, there was this one guy in front of me, and I don't know if his hand was okay after the game, but he was literally just beating on the chair in front of him and saying, defense, and, and sometimes I don't know what he was saying because he was just drunk. And his wife did not give a rip. She was just like, okay with it. She's just standing there, and he was just yelling, spitting on everybody. I mean, the fans, I look around, and I'm just like, do we get to sit down? Like, this is a long game. And so I just sat down, and people started yelling at me, like, stand up. I mean, this is like two hours. I mean, I like football and all, but I mean, the whole game, we're going to stand up. And then we left five minutes early because it's a smart thing to do when the other team is beating your team and you just should leave And before all the crowds. We still didn't miss all the crowds. But as we were leaving, a drunk guy grabbed me on the way up the stairs and said, you can't leave yet. Now let's come to church. Here we are in church. And three people stand up and we go, man, those are the crazy people over there, man. We leave early. We don't really worship. We're not going out. Come on, can we lift up the name of Jesus in this house? Come on, I, I don't know if we have fans here or fanatics. I, I believe we should start painting our face and let the devil know we're on the winning team. Come on. We're drunk on something different today. Come on, there we go. There we go. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I don't got anything against a football game, but what I do have a problem with is that in church, we look more like a funeral home. Come on, we should be excited in this place like they are in that place. Come on, this we are. Come on, Christmas is about presence. The presence of Jesus invading my life. I'm so thankful for the presence of Jesus. I'm thankful that he chose to put me on his team. I loved how they were talking into the football game. This wasn't supposed to be a football sermon, but I guess it's turning into one. There's people were like, on the way in, they're like, we won last year, and we won, and you know, your team is this, and, and it was like, they were on the team. And I'm like thinking, you're not on the team. You were eating Cheetos on the way to this place. You can't throw a football if you tried. Yet they were a part of this. Yet how much greater we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Come on, folks. Come on. In this holiday, we're celebrating the presence of Jesus. Come on, don't be ashamed to shout it from the rooftops. I got an exit because he made an entrance. I'm thankful for the Jesus that came. I'm thankful that Jesus wasn't intimidated to come into my mess. Give me a message. Come on, somebody got a message. You got a message now of hope and joy and purpose and life because he, uh, he wasn't afraid. Wasn't afraid. 2,000 years ago, he came to start the party. I hope you're still partying. I hope you're still celebrating. I hope joy is full today. I hope a few gifts that you couldn't get or a family member that hurts you doesn't rob the gift that God gave you. Come on. I hope we become a church with real joy and real purpose and real peace this year. 
Come on, it's not about a reindeer, it's about a lamb. It's not about a tree, it's about a tree. Right? The colors are red, that's his blood. And the colors are green, that's the life he gives me instead of death. Come on, he came in a, in a borrowed tomb, in a borrowed, in a borrowed womb, but he came and he gave me life and he gave me a home. He's not giving me a borrowed home, he's, he's bought the house. He's, come on, he's made me eternal. I'm excited about this Christmas. I hope you're excited about this Christmas. I hope we can truly sing joy to the world. Come on, this, this is a great Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I, I want to I take us there to the first Christmas. Is that okay? Because sometimes we, we, in the hustle and bustle of what we want Christmas to be, we kind of forget what things look like looking in on it. First Christmas, it reads like this, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, good old Joe. But before they came together, before Marvin Gaye came on, and we were working out the other day, and our coach, put, he has a playlist, and he's playing Marvin Gaye. I'm like, how are we working out to Marvin Gaye? Let's get it on. I'm like, I don't know. Anyways. It was, a, it was a romantic time with me and Ben. Amen. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. Uh-oh. Through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Remember now, Joseph doesn't know the story. <laughs> so Mary's pregnant and didn't happen through me. He, but he was a righteous man, so he did not want to do what would be done to, to a woman that was that, out of wedlock this happened to he did not want to expose her to public disgrace well the public disgrace they would have went through in their culture was stoning to death so he did not want to put her on blast so he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly so here's Joseph the hero of the story is about to run from what we're all celebrating right now he's about to do away with sweet baby Jesus He's about to push sweet baby Jesus to the side because it doesn't fit into his box of how it should work out. And let this remind us that God doesn't do it our way. He has a way that will be a way where there is no way. God will use who he wants to use, how he wants to use them. And Joseph almost ran from his call before he embraced it. But after he considered this, thank God he considered it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, Joe, what's happening in your wife is from me. What's happening in your call, I started in other words, Joe, I know it seems chaotic, but I'm even in the chaos. It's good to know that sometimes God's in the chaos. Anybody in a little chaos right now? I just came to give you a, a simple word today. God's even in the chaos. He's not just Lord of the comfort zone. He's also Lord of the chaos. So look, when you're in chaos, you can praise him when you're in chaos. You can thank him when you're in chaos. 
He, he, said, he, said, he said, look, I, I'm, what's in your wife is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, Jesus, because, <laughs> hey, because he will save his people from their sins. In other words, your redemption, Joseph, you were about to throw away. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be born with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Come on, the presence. It's all about the presence of God. God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Now let's jump over to Luke chapter 2. Verse number six, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes or, uh, and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The shepherds were living outside the fields nearby. Someone underlined that, highlight it, it matters. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. There it is again, the first Christmas we're seeing twice now. If we were to read the story about Mary's encounter, we would find three times terrified, fear, anxiety, <laughs> depression, thoughts of divorce. This is all part of the first Christmas. So for us in our, our Christmas, and we're nervous about what we're going through, depression, thoughts of divorce, fear, anxiety, don't, don't worry, the first Christmas was a lot like ours. Even the shepherds were terrified. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news and great joy that, that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior will be born. He is the Christ Jesus. This will be a sign for you will find the baby, underline it, highlight it, enclosed, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great heavenly host appeared, choir song, cue the choir song, angels praising, saying, glory to God in the highest earth, peace, goodwill to men, and his favor rest on. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened which the Lord told us about. I want you to underline that highlight if you're taking notes. These things are important. First thing that God tells Joseph when fear hits is don't forget, Joseph, I'm on board. At this moment, God was literally on board. <laughs> he was literally in the womb of Mary. God, God was telling Joseph, you may not see me right now, but just because you don't see me doesn't mean that my presence isn't with you. That, that sometimes in life, when it feels the scariest, when it feels like life is closing in, God is trying to tell you today, don't forget that just because you don't see me does not mean I'm not present. Joseph, I'm in, Mary. In other words, what I begin, I get on board with, and what I get on board with, I finish. Joseph is, is, is encouraged. Faith, fear is turned to faith. He is, he is about to run from the only gift God is about to give him for Christmas. I want to encourage you today. What if today you stop running from the thing that you've been running from? What if the very thing you've been running from is the very thing that God's going to use in your life to set not just you free, but to set all men free? 
in your life. I encourage you today to not listen to your emotions, to not listen to your circumstance. And remember that God promised he will never leave you, never forsake you, never abandon you. And if he called you in it, he's still there. Come on, sometimes you just got to put your hand on your womb and feel the kick. Oh, you're still there. You still call me into this because the gift and call of God are irrevocable. They do not return void. Can you imagine if Joseph would have ran from the one thing? Can you imagine if he would have ran from his only exit strategy? Because Joseph, just like us, was full of sin. Hmm. God says, if I'm on board, the storm could break out and you're going to be okay. If I'm on board, let the thunder roll and the boat will be still. If I'm on board, let them throw you into the lion's den and the lions will be full. If I'm on board, go ahead and stand in the fire. I don't even need to save you out of the fire. I can save you in the fire. Come on, I just came to remind you this holiday season that God is on board in your life. Emmanuel means God with us. Not God forsaken us. God is with us just because we can't feel him, just because we can't see him, just because we can't hear him. The teacher is silent when he gives a test. He's allowing you to walk through situations. Come on, do you trust that he's still there? He's still called you. He's still got purpose for you. He's still got destiny for you. Sometimes you got to walk it out and believe in faith. Come on, sometimes you find the borders of your faith, the edges of your faith. Come on, today you either choose fear or faith. Joseph and Mary, I'm thankful that you chose faith over fear. As they were willing to walk out something we get to experience. I wonder who in your family is waiting for us to walk out faith, not fear. Come on, faith this year. Come on, faith should be our default, not fear. Come on, every time we turn to fear, we say, you know what? We are part of fearless church. We're going to fear less today than we did yesterday because we're going to stir up our faith. My message today is you're not alone. But what about my pain? Where's the joy? Well, we got to understand that the first Christmas did not look joyful. There were no songs except for two shepherds who were afraid. The songs then were to calm the nerves of those who were called into the call. There was no gift giving except for the wise men who snuck in to see Jesus on behalf of losing maybe their life. There was no wrappings, there was no bows, there was no Christmas pudding, there was no eggnog. The first Christmas looked fearful. The first Christmas looked scary. The first Christmas, the government was taking the lives of the other generation of Jesus. The first Christmas, Mary and Joseph were on the run looking for housing, being told, no, there's no room for you here. The first Christmas was not full of joy and peace and yuletide carols. The first Christmas was full of fear. Yet I'm thankful for that first Christmas. I'm thankful that two people were willing to embrace their call. You know what that tells me today is that in the call, there is one thing that's not guaranteed. The call is not guaranteed our comfort. 
We are guaranteed safety, but not comfort. If you're called, it's going to take courage. If you're called to change the world, it's going to take faith. It's going to take bravery. We're going to have to step out where others tell us to run. I guarantee there's someone in this room rejoicing over what you're crying over. Because the first Christmas looks better looking back on. Doesn't life look better looking back on? Man, uh, all those people that rejected me in high school when I was 17, it was hard to deal with. I dated people just to feel better about myself. I did what they said to do just to have their, their approval. But looking back, I'm thankful for their rejection. I'm thankful that they ostracized me because now I fit in with the misfits. I can connect with people that have felt out of connection. See, those that don't fit, seek. And I never stop seeking. And life looks better looking back on it. Oh, it was difficult walking through sickness. Oh, it was difficult walking through pain. But when you look back at what you've been through, it's, it's many times you never hear someone say, man, I wish it would have never happened. They say, no, actually, I, I don't have any regrets about it happening. In fact, I'm thankful that I went through that. Because if I hadn't been through what I've been through, I couldn't praise him on the other side, knowing that he's still big and God in my life. The first Christmas looks better looking back on it than it does looking in on it. Here's teenage Mary. Remember when you were a teenager? How your brain worked or didn't work? <laughs> Here's Joseph. Trying to figure it out. I'm reminded by this story that the call of God looks different than we've enamored it to be. I'm reminded in this story that the call of God doesn't look like we've planned out in our head. Ten steps to a breakthrough. Twenty-two steps to having peace in your call. Can I tell you this? I've been in more fear in my calling than anything else. I've had to trust God more when I've stepped into my calling than any other time. If you want to be comfortable, don't step into your call. But if you've been called to change the world, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a little tumultuous at times. You're going to wonder if you're even going the right way. But let me tell you this. God will never leave you or abandon you. He'll never forsake you. And he has a plan. I know that every time I've been called to do anything in my life, I ran from it before I embraced it. In fact, my internship training to be a pastor, which I did not know I was training to be a pastor, I just said yes, <laughs> I quit 22 times. My pastor had to track me down dinners and letters and text messages. In fact, in my youth ministry, I wanted to quit almost every week. Every time God's called me to something new, I ran from it before I embraced it. Come on, this ain't nothing new because God will always call you to do something you can't do in your natural strength. You don't even have the gifts for. Good thing the God who calls us into the call supplies the things I'll need in the call. I remember him calling me to preach while I was failing speeches. Freaked out to give a speech about science in my classroom for five minutes, yet called to preach around the world. How does this work out? I don't know, but I do know that the God who has the call also supplies and equips the call, but you got to trust him. Here's Mary and Joseph. 
They're embracing the call. You see, when you start getting to this side of the call, you have to remind yourself to praise him for shut doors as you do for open. Come on, I'm trying to remind myself to, to thank God for those that hated me. To thank God for those who left me. To thank God for those who rejected me. To thank God to those who disappointed me. To thank God. Look, you really start getting mature when you can learn to praise God for shut doors. I know you can praise him for open doors. I know you can praise him for the doors you needed shut. But what about the doors you wanted open? What about the doors you've been knocking on till your hand bleeds and God doesn't open it? Come on, can you praise him when he says no? Or can we just praise him when he says yes? What happens when he says no to that relationship? What happens when he says no to that job that you were perfect for? What happens when you almost got it, but you didn't get it? It's in that moment that we learn if there's a praise in us or there's a complaint in us. See, if you've been alive and breathing long enough, you know that God, to those who love him and called by his name, that he will take even the bad things and make them good. He will turn it around for his purpose. And it's in this place that you start becoming a mature believer. You start getting some spiritual wrinkles. Come on, I know you don't want physical wrinkles, but you like those spiritual wrinkles. Come on, some spiritual gray hairs. Come on, I got some gray hairs in the spirit because I've been through some stuff. I walked through some stuff. Come on, I, I, I want to know if there's some mature believers in this house that have been able to begin to praise him for shut doors. Thank you, God, for making that relationship not work out. Oh, I'm so thankful that all the girls I dated, it didn't work out. You know why? Because I got a better woman. I didn't get a girl. I got a wife. I remember, I remember, I didn't tell my wife this, but we went to a restaurant in the town I used to live in. And, and we went and sat down at the restaurant. It's my family, my kids, my wife. We're all hanging out. And right in behind me walks my ex-girlfriend from high school. She walks in. She sits down at the bar. And her and whoever she was with, they're, they're slamming them back at the bar. And I'm sitting there with my wife and my kids. I didn't tell my wife because my wife's crazy. She'll get up and just say, hi, how you doing? Are you Jeremy's ex-girlfriend? God bless you. Now I won. No, she's just... <laughs> this is not in my notes, by the way. This is coming out. But I remember sitting down at that table that day and just my ex-girlfriend on my back right here, doesn't know I'm there, and my family, and just... The hurt that I went through when we broke up and the pain, but yet the joy on this side. Well, thank God. That's the moment where you start realizing that God does not abandon you. He does not mistreat you. He's a good father. He has better plans than you have. He has better relationships than you had. He has a better job than you had planned. Come on, this is where we start praising God on the in-between. And I don't, I don't believe that it's that we think God is mean. It's just, that, it's just that the gifts that God gives, they don't come wrapped very nice. It's that we know he's a good gift giver. But usually they come in terrible paper. I don't know if you've ever been gifted by the Lord, but... If you've ever been gifted by God, you don't usually feel very gifted. You're like, I would love that gift or that one, but this gift? 
I recently went through, uh, about a year ago, I had to take a, uh, a sabbatical early in my you know, pastoral life here, only in church for four years, because I was completely sick, I was depressed, I was going through all kinds of stuff, and I had to, I had to pull back and begin to learn how to live again, I had to learn how to, how to breathe again, I had to just listen to the sermons I already preached to, to, to heal myself, and even when I came back, I kept telling the crowd, hey guys, Thanks for sitting in, but I'm just kind of preaching to myself, so, so enjoy this. And, and, and that, that was the process, but I'm now thankful for that gift that it gave me. I'm, I'm thankful for those moments. I remember being in a bathtub. I would take four baths a day to calm myself down with bath salts to get rid of the depression or the anxiety or the fear or whatever it was. And I remember just one time hitting the water as hard as I can, and the water's everywhere, and my wife's just crying and I'm just like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know how to get out of this. And I tell you these things because I want you to know that you're not alone. That, that in that moment, somewhere in that room, the Lord showed up and I began to praise out of the same mouth I felt like cussing out of. If I could just be real, I don't think I cussed, but I felt like it. And if you felt like it, it's in your head, so it might as well be the same thing. And in that moment, I begin to praise the God of the universe. And I, I, I wouldn't let that moment go for anything. Because that moment is a part of my journey. It's what gave me who I am today. It's what connects me to people that are walking through depression. It's what connects me to people that are feeling left out and abandoned by God. And I came to tell you today that even if God gives you a gift, and the paper looks one way, don't be afraid of the paper. How silly is that? I mean, the paper is just the paper. Just get past the paper. God doesn't gift like this. You know, we, we did a white elephant gift exchange. And, you know, at every white elephant gift exchange, let me just let you know this. Never go for the gift that's wrapped nice. <laughs> that's always the really weird one. Go for the one that's like barely put together. That's the person that have a lot of time. They went and got a gift card. If you go for the nice one, one year when I was a youth pastor, you know, David's really mature as a youth pastor. I was really immature, still maturing every day. And, uh, and so all the other pastors, you know, they're older. They're getting great gifts. They don't want to get fired. They're just, you know, doing what they should do. I was the pastor's son-in-law, so I had job security, so it didn't really matter. I almost caught the church on fire three times. I mean, flooded the sanctuary. I mean, I was just wild. And so, so at the... At, I treated the uh, white elephant gift party like I did the youth white elephant gift party. So I thought, let's get the craziest gift I can find. So I had, I had hit, uh, I had found some roadkill on the side of the road three months earlier, and I had froze it. And I didn't know why. I just thought, well, this is going to be useful at some point in time for a sermon or some, something. And so I thought, oh, I'll put that in the white elephant gift. So I wrapped up really nice. Christy helped me with a bow. I don't know why she didn't stop me. She was way more mature than I was, but... <laughs> so anyways Christy's mom the senior pastor's wife picks my gift and I'm thinking this is awesome this is great and she's really into like fur boots and stuff and so she's at the fire and she reaches in she's like talking she's like and she pulls it out I think she thought it was like new fur boots and she's just like holding it talking and she looked at this dead squirrel that was frozen you see you see God doesn't God doesn't give gifts like that is it wrap it up and try to trick you and hopefully you reach inside and when you get it, you're like, ah, too late. 
No, and, and, and God, God wraps your gifts different for strategy. He wraps it in pain and problems so no one else will come take your gift. He goes, here you go. I know, it just, don't worry, it's just the paper. Loser, outcast, misfit. I, I, know, I know you know it doesn't matter what they say because they didn't make you, so you would never let them break you. So, so don't let their words and their wounds and a loser and stuff. It's, you're not a loser, you're, you're a winner. But I'm going to allow this gift to be wrapped in some of these things. Misfit, outcast, failure, I quit. Come on, you, you, you just, just don't worry about the wrapping. It's, it's not the wrapping that matters. Don't get caught up in the wrapping. The wrapping is only seconds in comparison to the enjoyment of the gift. I, 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 know, I, know, I know you trust me. I'm a good father. I know it looks one way, but it's all strategy. It's the Trojan horse. It's, so no one sees you coming. It's, so the enemy doesn't even think, wow, I, I think that one or that one, but... No, you can't use this one. So you don't get enamored in the paper. Don't get, don't get caught up in the paper. It's just, just, just rip the paper. Just, just take it off. Just, I put a gift in there. The gift is always bigger than the paper. The, the first Christmas, look at the paper on the first Christmas. Look at the fear. Look at the insecurity. Look at the words. Look at the wounds. Joseph said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. You got something in here. The savior of the universe? I wonder what's in your unopened gift. Some of us are just collecting unopened gifts. I don't know. I mean, I, I wish God loved me like them. I keep seeing them experiencing that new jacket and those new pants. And God got him a motorbike. And here I am. I, I, got, I got lazy. I got worthless. I got fired. They said let go, but I know what it really was. I got kicked out. I got... Rejected this Christmas. What if we just get past the paper? My mom used to like to save the paper. Our God doesn't. Throw it in the fire. Use it as your fuel. Use the paper to warm your house. Come on, that's what we used to do at my house. We'd rip the paper off and throw it in the fire, and we'd make the flame go higher. Come on, I dare you to take that paper that they put on you, that, that paper they put on your gifts, and throw it in the fire. Make the flame go higher. Let it be your testimony. Let it be your story. Let it be what made you who you are. I shouldn't be here, but God chose me. He put my name on the gift, and you wouldn't open it because you couldn't handle what I had to handle to open Here's Mary and Joseph, and they've chosen to carry Jesus. And you think God, if he had planned right, he would have had him a place to give birth. I mean, my wife, when we had our baby, we had it all planned out. We knew the, the doctor, we knew the room, and we had suitcases packed. And here's Mary and Joseph. And God is either really disorganized, he doesn't know about Priceline.com, there was no Airbnb. Or he just was too busy doing other things and, hey, sorry, don't have a place for you. My Bible says that they were in this area where there were shepherds and there was no room at the inn, so they ended up giving birth in a manger. So God, yeah, God makes mistakes sometimes. I mean, 
Sometimes he makes mistakes. No, never. I mean, God could turn a manger into a palace. He could have chose that. Humble Jesus. But I, I found that Jesus wasn't born in a manger. It says it in Micah 4.8. It says, And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter Zion, Hundreds of years before Jesus would be born, they prophesied where he would be born. Unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. O tower of the flock, or in Hebrew, Migdal Eddar. Migdal Eddar. Put up a picture of Migdal Eddar. This is an actual place. No, not that one. That's the manger. The manger is what we tell you. But if you really do research, you will find out that Jesus was born in a trough, but it was a special trough. You will find out doors were closed to him, but on purpose. Because Jesus, hundreds of years before he was born, was prophesied, you will be born in the tower of the flock. Now, there is only one tower of the flock. It's Migdar Egdal. It's the only place in the whole. And, and, and now you look back on this story. Angels appear to the shepherds and they say, Jesus will be born. He'll be born and they will swaddle him in clothes. They will put him in a manger. Well, let's think about this for a second. How did the shepherds find the one barn Jesus was born in? You know, they tell us, oh, they followed the star. Really? Have you ever tried to follow a star? <laughs> my son, we were, there was a moon going and my son's going, Dad, the moon's chasing us. We're like, no, it's not chasing us. Wherever we move, the moon's just there. You can't follow a star. No, these shepherds, when they were told he'll be in a manger, instantly they knew where he was. He was in the tower of Eddar. He was, he was in the place, the, the, the place that's been prophesied. You know what that place was? This area, all the shepherds were also priests. These were shepherd priests that the angels appeared to. And the shepherd priests, they would raise the lambs that would be sacrificed in the temple. They would need at least 700 lambs a year because every day, twice a day, they sacrifice the lamb. And then on top of that, the families and different, they sacrifice these lambs. So they, all year long, they raised animals to be sacrificed to God. What was Jesus? He was the sacrificial lamb. They appear to these shepherds that are priests and they say, that place, Migdar Egdal. So when they would give birth to lambs in their flock, they would look for the spotless lambs. Those were the only ones that could be sacrificed. The, the ones without defect. And they would bring them on a journey to Migdar Edda, or Tower of the Flock. And they would wrap them in swaddling clothes. And they would lie them in what they called a manger. So they did not harm themselves. So they could be sacrificed. But first they would be inspected by the priest. Now here's Jesus. No room at the end. No, he wasn't supposed to stay at an end. He was always supposed to stay at the tower of the flock. Why? Because he was the lamb without blemish. He was the sacrifice on our behalf. He was swaddled and he was wrapped. And God didn't miss it just like he didn't miss it with you. He didn't make a mistake on what family you were born into. He didn't make a mistake on what... He doesn't make mistakes. We serve a God that is always on time. 
It's on His time. And His time is perfect. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You're the right height. You're the right size. You're the right color. You have the right sound. You have the right fingerprint. You have the right voice. God's chose you exactly how He chose you. He's placed you in the right family. Come on, don't be afraid of the devil. He's a loser. Come on, you serve the king of kings. You have victory in front of you, behind you. I dare you to embrace your call this year. A call to greatness. A call to joy. A call to fearlessness. Don't be afraid of the gifts that God gives. Because everyone's going to look at the gift that you finally open. I should open mine. You know what? Your courage is going to give others courage. If you could get past the misfit, the hurt, the rejection, the fear, you're going to be a voice to the voiceless. I dare you to stand up this year and say, God, I'm bringing your presence everywhere I go. I'm so gifted. Thank you for gifting me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for closed doors. Mary and Joseph couldn't have planned that out if they tried. You picture Mary as the wise men showed up, as the shepherds knew where to come, and she's like, thank God that that inn said no. Thank God he wasn't born in some hotel, suite number 22. Thank God that the God of the universe knew exactly where and when. So here's my question to you. What gifts are you running from right now? that you're afraid to open because they didn't come in the wrapping you wanted. Come on, my son is kind of like that. If we wrap it in the wrong paper, I don't know if he'll like to open it. I'm sitting there as a dad going, if you just get past the paper, I'm sorry for the pink paper. That's all we had left. You just get past the paper. You're going to love the transformer inside. I might even come over and kind of rip it on accident just to kind of, hey, look, see that? See, it's, it's not the same on the, look, can I, can I just, can we just, can we just grow up in the Lord? Can we just get some maturity in the Lord and say, I'm not getting stuck on the paper. Come on, let's open the gifts that God has and let's put. Come on, would you stand to your feet all over this room? I'm, I'm done. I'm done. What an awesome day, huh? Did you learn something new today? I love this. Romans 8, 3. It says, God went for the jugular. <laughs> That's awesome. When he sent his own son, he didn't deal with the problem as something remote or unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition in order to enter disorder, the mess of struggling humanity, in order to set it right once and for all. The resurrection life you have received from God is not a timid, grave-tending, it's adventurous, expectant, greeting God with childlike faith, saying, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. That's what you're feeling today. We know who He is. We know who we are, father and children. And now we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. Come on, are you ready for your inheritance today? Come on, children of God, if you're ready for your inheritance, I want you to put your hands up. Come on, put your hands up all over this place. God, we just pray for the gifts you give. We thank you for the calls we have. God, we thank you. God, we're not afraid of the paper. We're not afraid of the paper this year, God. The paper doesn't intimidate us anymore. 
Come on, bring on the ugly paper. Bring on the distorted paper. Bring on, Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for the gifts you give. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.